I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This week I am joined by a very special guest and one of my favourite people to follow over on Instagram. That is, of course, paediatric nurse Penny Blunden from Sick Happens. Penny is a paediatric nurse, a mother of two, and the founder of Sick Happens, which is a brilliant platform where Penny offers a host of insight and support with empathy around topics related to children's well-being and medical health as well. So today we are going to cover a whole lot of questions that have been sent through. But before we jump into that, welcome Penny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. So nice to do this together. So Penny, I've just done a little bit of an overview as to who you are, but maybe in your own words, you can tell us a bit more about who you are and and the work that you do. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am, I like to think of myself as a mum to two very busy boys, first and foremost, because they take up so much of my time. Um, But I am also a very passionate paediatric nurse. I've been nursing for gosh, well over a decade and I love it. Like I absolutely adore caring for kids and their families. Um, But over my course of, you know, my career in in nursing, there's been times where it's been really frustrating where I haven't had the time to really be able to sit down and help parents and educate parents and reassure them where it would make them feel so much calmer, but then it also would help the system as well because then when parents know better I don't want to say they do better but then they feel more confident about what they're doing um and so about two years ago I just finally decided to take the plunge and uh, start sick happens as a way to really help parents with teaching them about what's normal and what's not when it comes to sicknesses in kids just so they can regain a bit more of that power um and yeah make really confident decisions about their child's health and so this is where we're at now where I've managed to combine my love for nursing and now in the online space and do my own thing it's been really wonderful Mm, amazing and I absolutely love the platform because I feel like you certainly cover a whole lot of content on there, pretty much everything that parents come up against when they have babies or children um, and, you know, are facing the, the range of illnesses and injuries and things that we all deal with. But you do it in a really, really 
understanding, empathetic way. And I guess that probably comes from both your professional background, but also the fact that you're a mum. So you understand what it's like to, you know, be juggling medication schedules and not be sure. Well, you're probably sure, but to, you know, be questioning sometimes, you know, whether something is um, needing medical attention or not. I feel like you've got a good understanding of what that feels like. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think we all were perfect parents before we had kids. And so (laughs) I can definitely appreciate that there's decisions that parents make in the heat of the moment um, that may not be necessarily the right one in inverted commas, but they're doing the best they can. They're terrified. They're sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Like you can't blame a parent for any choices they make in situations like that. So hopefully this, uh, so hopefully Sick Happens can sort of give parents that information before they're in the crisis so that when Mm. the crisis does happen, they can think a little bit more clearly or be like, oh, I know what I need to do here. Penny said, you know, to do this or, yeah, hopefully it helps. Yeah, it definitely does. As we were just talking before Penny and I jumped onto the recording, we were just chatting about various things and I let Penny know one of my very best friends recently had her first baby and joined your course and she's been telling me how much it helps in reducing that anxiety that's really there for all of us Mm. because let's face it, there's nothing that makes you feel more vulnerable than having a child who's not well. Um, So I think it does really arm parents with a whole lot of valuable information and anything that can reduce our anxiety around kids when they're not well is is going to be valuable right yeah absolutely that makes me so happy to hear feedback like that (laughs) yeah yeah so I think when I first found your our paths first crossed over on Instagram one of the first things um that I loved about what you offered and I purchased it straight away was your magnets because I'm sure any parent will relate sometimes if your child has a fever or pain there can be all of this confusion especially if you're you know feeling anxious or you know upset at the side of them being in pain about Panadol, Nurofen, when do we dose it? How often do we dose it? And then sometimes there's even the issue of forgetting when they had their last dose. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit more about what you created for that particular dilemma. Yeah, yeah. So this idea actually came about when I was working in emergency because one of the first questions that you are, well, maybe not one of the first, but a very important question that you ask at triage if a child's come in um, in pain or with a fever, we need to find out when they last had medication and what medication they had so that we know what we can give next. And so many times parents would say, I don't know, and they'd look at their partner and say, well, did you give it last or did I? And we'd bounce Mm -hmm. back and forth and be like, oh, I get it, like it's okay. Or parents would come in terrified saying, we've given our child double the dose or triple the dose because I woke up at two o'clock and gave them Panadol and then my husband got up and gave them Panadol 30 minutes later and we didn't know and I was like oh I get it like this is so easily done because when you've got usually two parents or even if it's just yourself and you're bouncing between multiple pain relief options and multiple children it's just so easy to forget or grab the wrong bottle or grab the wrong dose and all that sort of thing so my very very first product that I released was a downloadable e-guide and in there I had the tracker in there and I was like oh I just print it out and pop it on the fridge and I thought well actually let's just pop it on a magnet because that's where we're all gonna put it anyway so yeah and it's been a wonderful um just so simple 
so effective, but really does help prevent those accidental overdoses. Um, yeah. And then I've had a whole bunch of mums say, oh, I bought it for the kids, but I used it for myself after I had given birth or some yes, some yeah. mums had had surgery like for something totally unrelated like actually I used it because yes it's the same like it's the same sort of um time frame that you can give Panadol or Nurofen so it's really multi-purpose. <laughs> yeah, and actually I'll share another little story. One of my girlfriends um, last year had a baby and had a cesarean birth and after she came home, she used the tracker to track her own pain relief mm-hmm. because you know what it's like when you've got a newborn baby, mm-hmm. you're not even quite sure what time of day it is. Yeah, and you let put the undies on the outside. <laughs> yeah, right. So I feel like, yeah, I could see how it would be useful for everybody in the family. It's kind of one of those things that you wonder how you did with Yes. Good life without it before you have it. That's how I feel anyway. Yeah. Sounds is on the page. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we've now got a second one out that's called the multi-tracker. Um, ah. But it's a lot more sort of customizable. It's not specific to Panadol and Nurofen. So this one's just, it's great for kids that have Ventolin puffers or eardrops ah. or eye drops or antibiotics. So it, because it's got a lot more spaces. So you can sort of, you can either write down all the times and doses that you need and then rub them off in the day. Or yep. you can write them up as, as you go along. So that one's, yeah, it's a lot more. That's why it's called the multi-tracker because you can use it for so many different things. We often use it for our shopping list as well because it works for that too. <laughs> <laughs> so multitask. Oh, um, that would be valuable too. I know that there is a lot of mums in the community that term themselves medical mummers who have children that have complex medical needs and perhaps they'll be take, uh, taking or need mm-hmm. to be having medication and various forms of medication daily so I think that would be super valuable yeah you can just do like a little tick box you could write your own little sort of weekly Monday Tuesday Wednesday etc and tick it off or Mm. yeah you can put whatever you want on there Mm, so good okay fantastic um so Patty when I knew that I had booked you to come in and have a chat with me today I popped a little sticker box up asking for members of the community to you know post or ask any questions that they had that they really wanted to ask you as a pediatric nurse. So I'm going to chat with you about those in just a moment. But first, I was interested to know, as a pediatric nurse, what is one of the most common questions you're asked by your girlfriends or your family? I feel like you would be the the go-to person for lots of people in your circle. Yeah. So for my friends and family, it would probably be injuries like they they would message me and say hey such and such has just smashed their scooter into the wall and Uh they've got a bump or something like like what do I do um so I think injuries would be a really big one for what friends do but Mm -hmm. then on sick happens with hands down without a doubt the most common question I get asked is about fever but I think my friends Uh don't ask me about that because I've just drilled it into them <laughs> what they need to do so they've got that bit sorted <laughs> okay <laughs> perks of the friendship <laughs> I think definitely I know as an experience as a mum of three little ones who have had you know we've had a concussion we once had a scooter accident that required a visit to emergency I can imagine that that would be one of my go-tos you'd be the first person I'd call yeah. um so maybe let's talk about that for any children that perhaps have come off their bike or their scooter but let's talk about like a head bump yeah can you share with us what is the first thing parents need to be doing in that instance yeah so I guess 
if you've seen it happen, um, you want to be making sure that they're crying. Like that sounds really awful, but them crying means that they are conscious <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. they're breathing, um, which is a really really good sign because kids that uh, have a loss of consciousness or even an unwitnessed fall where you're not mm-hmm. sure if they've had a loss of consciousness is actually really quite worrying um and if they aren't crying and they're just flat obviously that's a a big red flag so if they're crying perfect um then you're wanting to sort of just do a really quick top to toe check where are they bleeding are they bleeding is it just a big lump um and if you've seen any cuts if you have a child that has had any sort of cut to the face or the head it will Mm -hmm. bleed a lot like it looks like a ridiculous murder scene out there um quite often parents will focus on how much blood there is that they Mm. then forget to stop take a breath you can just pop your pop a hand a jumper a shirt whatever you have just to stop that bleeding but then you want to try and just check for those more serious signs of head injury so loss of consciousness um are they Mm -hmm. confused or dazed are they have they lost their balance are they vomiting yep. quite a bit? So mm-hmm. there's a few things that can be a little bit vague or a little bit subtle to pick up in kids, but I do, I have got a whole story highlight on my page um, all about head bumps to help parents sort of refresh their memory of what they need to look for and what's important and, yeah, know when to get help and where to go to get that help. Amazing. Because it's always going to happen at night time when they're about to go to bed. Oh. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be the time when they're wrestling before bed or yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and actually that reminds me, Penny, I will pop links to, um, it, like I said, Penny's Instagram page where you can look at that story highlight and any other references Penny suggests today too. So I'll be sure to share those in the show notes. Um, one of the things, you know, that really surprised me and scared me when one of my boys had his first head bump was how quickly that lump comes up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of terrifying. I thought, oh my goodness, something, you know, really terrible has happened here. Yeah. Is that necessarily something to panic about or no. would a loss of consciousness <laughs> be more critical? <laughs> Loss of consciousness is significantly more important to take note of. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, the height of the fall or the speed of the fall or the age of the child is really important too. So let's just say you've got your little newborn and they've rolled off the change table, which it does happen. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if they don't have a bump on their head, that would be really concerning because a fall from a change table for a little newborn is actually really quite high. Um, So when you're talking about the actual bump, the bigger the bump or the more bruised the bump doesn't necessarily indicate a more serious injury um, because you want to be looking for all of those other signs that I mentioned before. Um, There is a type of bump called, it's called boggy swelling, where if it's really um, squishy, it can Mm -hmm. indicate a fracture on the skull but hey. I don't tend to talk about that too much with parents because I feel like that almost puts too much pressure on a parent to then be like oh my gosh is this yeah. squishy is it not squishy I don't yeah. know do I have to make that call what do I like it's yeah. just it's something that we look at as healthcare professionals yeah. whenever a child comes into emergency we touch it we want to feel it um but for parents at home the massive big bump it looks awful 
mm-hmm. but almost pretend it's not there and try and look at your child's behaviour, how they're acting, are they settling afterwards, you know, or are they screaming in pain constantly for hours on end? Like there's a lot more pressing symptoms than the massive bump. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good to know. That's definitely mm. helpful, I feel like, because that could be the most confronting thing I think initially, but if we can just sort of acknowledge that and move it to the side to look for all those other important mm-hmm. things you've mentioned, that's really helpful to Yeah, me. it's like the blood where you, you obviously like it's right there in your face, it's everywhere and it is really scary, but try yes. really hard to keep, you know, almost put your head up and keep looking for other symptoms. Mm, okay, that's such good advice. All right, so throwing it over then to the questions that came through. There's yeah. a couple here I wanted to ask you because these were sort of, there were variations on the, these themes. So these are kind of the big ones. The first one was the most common and that is my child has started daycare or preschool or care in whatever setting for the first time and now they are sick all of the time. <laughs> is this normal and is there anything parents can do about that in terms of like I don't know, boosting immunity or something, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you because I've been through it twice as well. Man, I feel <laughs> like I'm still going through it with my youngest, except when, now we're in lockdown. So I feel like it's the healthiest everyone has been. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yes, it is. Well, I mean, normal, no, because any sickness is not normal, but mm. very, very common. And we would expect that kids do up the ante with the sicknesses once they start daycare or preschool or childcare, wherever they're going. Um, And that's simply because of the proximity to all of those other children and all of those other educators. Um, So it is very normal for that to happen. There are, I think everyone tries to look for that magic pill, that magical immune booster. Um, but there is no one immune booster that you can give children. You've really just got to focus on the basics, which is super boring, Um, but being really (laughs) consistent with vaccinations, trying to get them as varied diet as possible, Um, Mm -hmm. teaching them about infection control is really beneficial, but you're dealing with kids. So, Toddlers aren't going to wash their hands without help. They're going to sneeze in your eyeball. They're going to grab someone else's (laughs) drink bottle and drink out of that. So that's one of the huge reasons why kids get sick so frequently is because they've been exposed to all of these new germs. But they couldn't care less about trying to prevent catching germs because they don't know. They don't have those critical thinking skills yet. So, yeah, it's okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, okay. The other things are things like sleep, sunlight, being outdoors. So there is strong links to being if you're deficient in vitamin D, which we get from the sun and some from the diet, um, mm-hmm. you can become sicker more frequently. So 
if you there is no magical number of how many sicknesses is too many but if you're feeling like your child is not and yourself because you might find that you're getting sick too because your kids will bring them home um yeah if you're feeling like you're not getting much of downtime in between sicknesses like it's just one after the other it might be beneficial to go and have a chat to your gp just to say look I know that it's normal for us to get sick all the time, but we aren't getting a break. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they can look into talking about whether it would be beneficial for your child to get any blood tests done to see if they are deficient in particular um, vitamins, if they need any supplementation. Um, Or they can then investigate, is there something else going on? Is this sort of like a chronic lung issue? Or, yeah, definitely feel like if you're not getting any reprieve, yeah. worth a chat to your GP just to say hey like can you just have a look can you check for us um the, the number there is really hard to say at what point yeah. do you go <laughs> yeah I guess it taps into that advice which I often give parents as well and that is just trust your intuition mm-hmm. I mean we we can all sensibly expect like you say that when they start that there might be a, a rise in the number of mm-hmm. times they're getting sick but if it just feels like like it's beyond what you'd expect Mm -hmm. or far too frequent I think it's just so valuable isn't it just to go and have a chat with your GP I mean there's nothing to lose doing that yeah or even if you feel like you're not coping where you're Mm. saying look like I don't have any sick leave left myself because I've taken it all to look after Mm. the kids um or you're just totally maxed out and burnt out you're like I need help what what can we what can we do? Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely a time for you to, to go and have a chat to your GP and say, is this normal? If it's not, what can we do? Can you help me? Because yeah. I am about to lose it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Brilliant. I love that. And I actually love the advice too of going back to basics. I think so often we can get swept up with looking for, you know, the magic pill or whatever it is, the mm-hmm. spray or the supplement. But I love that advice of, you know, taking it back to good sleep, good nutrition, playing outside and, mm-hmm. you know, hygiene, which is all drummed into us now anyway, thanks yeah. to the pandemic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's yeah. really good advice, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. So the next question that came through, Penny, was tips that you might be able to share for preparing a child who has to go to hospital so maybe they know they're going to have a procedure so we're not talking about those emergency visits yeah. that come out of the blue but but something that you can use to prepare little ones yeah well even if it is an out of the blue thing um role playing is really important so you can do this day to day anyway um which then mm-hmm. can help those emergency visits too but if you can obviously depending on the age of your child but if you can integrate sort of that medical play where you could be the patient and your child can be the nurse or the doctor um, and then swap it around so you can kind of model, oh, you know, I can be the patient and I'm crying and I'm upset and, oh, nurse, doctor, can you come and help me? And they can come over and comfort you and be like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And then you can swap roles and, you know, obviously you can then model what the doctors and nurses are going to do you can't underestimate how beneficial that is for kids um, because they learn through play. They're so receptive to that play and you can give them some coping strategies where you can be like, oh, I just want to have a cuddle with my mum and you can ask questions. So that play just in general is so helpful, but that can you can kind of walk them through. If you know, let's say they're getting a blood test or they've got to go for an X-ray, you could 
map that out in place. You can be like, let's go jump in the car. We're going to drive to the hospital and, oh, where are we going to park? And, oh, we're walking through and look at all these people here. It's so noisy, isn't it? And you can sort of, now we're going to lie down. We're going to do this. And you can tell them everything that's going to happen um, so that when they actually get there, it's not as overwhelming and terrifying and scary. So I think that's, Again, it really does come down to the developmental capacity that your child has, um, how mm-hmm. old they are, but please be yeah. honest, tell them the truth, prep them as much as you think will be helpful for your child because I know that there are a lot of kids out there that are incredibly anxious yeah. and if you tell them too early, yes, they'll panic and they'll stew over it. So, again, use your judgment as the parent in knowing when is the right time um but yeah even just doing that play where you can throw out all sorts of different scenarios that if and when those things do come up they sort of they've got a couple of skills up their sleeve to know what to expect yeah yeah amazing and I think it's um lucky that or it's you know a benefit that so many children naturally like that kind of play anyway like many children will really enjoy playing nurses or yeah. doctors or so if you can tap into that um and and use that as a chance like you say to go through the scenarios and pre-teach some coping strategies yeah there's no, no better way I think I think that's a really great strategy yeah yeah related to that penny um a question came through about blood tests so for children that might be going to have their first blood test is there anything different you'd recommend or would again would you suggest that this is something that you you know maybe have a practice run in play a couple of times yeah you can um you could always ask the doctor or the admin staff if you can get some numbing cream. Um, it's something that is really is used quite a bit in emergency if we have time. But quite often I've seen if, if kids are coming in as an outpatient or a booked appointment, they can forget unless the parents ask for it. So okay. it might be worth just asking, say, because you can get it from the pharmacy. Um, yep. There are some times where it actually makes it harder. Um, so just check that it's okay to use and then you can ask them where to put it on, but that can help. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the really big kids' hospitals will have so many extra distractions, so play therapists and these extra little nifty pieces of equipment that can help. So you can always ask if Great. they'll be available or if they have anything extra like that. But I always just say to please don't don't lie to your kids. Tell them that, yeah, it might sting um, Mm -hmm. because it is a needle, but it will end and I'll be there with you. And it's really important that we do this because, you know, whatever it is that you're doing it for, like because, you know, you've been sick a lot lately or we want to try and help you. And please, please, please don't... um, don't use the nurse or the pathologist or the doctor, whoever's taking that blood test. Please don't paint them as the baddie or sit still, you must do this, or they'll give you another needle. Like it's really not good at all because you'll instill that fear and you'll just make it harder for yourself for the next time if there is a next time. We want to be team. We don't want to have goodies and baddies at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important. Um, at the moment, I work on the paediatric ward of our local hospital in the schoolroom. And so we do see a lot of kids coming through for blood tests or, mm. you know, as a course of their hospital stay. And parents, I think it comes from like a well-meaning place or a place of their own anxiety, yeah. certainly, because it's so hard to watch your child struggle with that. But really, it does the only outcome of that is that it complicates things yeah. in the future and leads to, you know, potentially phobic responses or it just makes the whole thing a lot trickier. So I think being honest and upfront and sharing the experience of what it will be like at an appropriate level for mm -hmm. your child's age is is such great mm. advice. And then I guess with the younger kids, so even babies to sort of infants, wrapping them up and swaddling them nice and comfortably is really valuable because they feel secure. If they're sort of just lying down on a bed and they're flapping around, it's really mm. scary. So having them you, having them in your lap, cuddled up into you, if you're breastfeeding, you can breastfeed at the same time because that has great pain okay. relief qualities. Um, obviously you need to sort of chat to whoever's doing it to be like, hey, can we position ourselves so that we can get this arm out or whatever um most of like you'll be hard pressed to come across anyone in pediatrics that will say yeah. no um yep. unless they're fasting bloods or, or something but there's yep. definitely especially for those younger kids um wrapping I mean we've wrapped primary school age kids because they've felt more comfortable yeah. and secure just grab a big warm blanket wrap them up with their arm out and face their head away and they actually respond really well to that but that's yeah amazing that's a, yeah. that's another really handy tip yeah, I think you touched on a good point too, and that is the fact that medical professionals, you know, especially in my experience, those who work in paediatrics, want to work as a part of a team with you. So mm -hmm. use that to your advantage. Talk to them in advance if you need to. Explain what your concerns are or the yeah. little quirks and idiosyncrasies that you know about your child that might help, and they're going to have a whole host of tips and tricks and things that they've used, you know, with the many children they've worked with. So I think come at it from that team perspective is, mm -hmm. is the best way to approach it, right? Yeah. And remember that you, the parent, you're a huge player in that team as well. So yes, the healthcare professionals have so many skills and expertise in this area, but you're the expert on your child. So if you've got a little yes. one where you're like, oh, can you just like, they'd really like to be able to see what you're doing. Um, can you mm -hmm. show them, you know, whatever you're using? Like, please don't be afraid to speak up. Like, yes, as a nurse, we have to get our job done, but yep. you are important. Your child is important. We can still listen. So don't be afraid to speak up. Oh, I love that. So good. Um, all right. Looking like our last one now that came through from a few people and it was all about croup. Mm. So what they were sort of saying is they'd they'd heard about this dreaded croup some of their friends' babies might have had it, but they just, how do you know if it is croup and what do you do about it? Maybe actually could you start by telling us what croup is yeah. for anyone that's not familiar? Yeah, definitely. So croup is actually, it's almost like an umbrella term of symptoms. So it's not really an illness in itself. So it's caused by, typically caused by a bunch of different viruses. Um, your little one kind of will start out sort of almost like a cold. And then typically in the middle of the night, because all good things happen in the middle of the night, they'll wake up with that really loud barking cough um, and it yep. can come on really suddenly. So they could almost go to bed well and then wake up with this really barking cough 
Um, some kids also wake up sort of gasping for air or really noisy breathing. Um, so it used or caused because there's inflammation and swelling in those upper airways. So and that's what changes the noise of the cough and the breathing. So it is an emergency when you have any issues or impacts on breathing. That that is an emergency. If they're really struggling, you you do need to call an ambulance because we need to get some very specific medications into them quite quickly to help okay. open their airway and let them breathe. Um, right. But because it's not an illness in itself, every time your child gets a cold it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to develop croup. Same okay. thing with siblings. So let's just say you've got a four-year-old, they wake up with croup. It doesn't mean that your six-month-old is guaranteed going to get croup. So they may okay. have the same virus, but one of them may only develop into croup. So they may have more sensitive airways or more reactive airways. So they go on to get the croup but your younger one won't. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And I actually didn't know that that was how it worked. So that's really interesting and kind of reassuring, I suppose, in a way too, because I think as parents, we have so many experiences like, you know, for example, classic gastro, Mm -hmm. one goes down and you can pretty much guarantee that Mm. it's going to rip through the entire household. Um, So that's really valuable to know. So if parents are having that nightmare, like you said, it always mm-hmm. seems to happen in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Is the advice, Penny, to call an ambulance or go straight to hospital? Yeah. So again, it all yeah. depends on symptoms. So okay. even if you, I, I just don't want parents to have to be thinking, oh my goodness, I need to have a tab of every illness that there is out there so that if my child wakes up mm. in the middle of the night, I need to be able to diagnose my child. So that is way too much pressure. So yes. Basically, if your little one wakes up and they're gasping for air, they have really noisy breathing, it doesn't matter what's causing it. It could be croup, it could be asthma, it could be bronchiolitis, like it actually doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. If they're having significant impacts on their breathing, yeah, they need help. Like, And it is, I get this question asked all of the time saying, how do you know whether to call an ambulance or go to emergency? Yes, yes. And I get it because... <laughs> Even as a nurse and a mum myself, it, it it's hard to make that call. Um, yeah. And I do have to be really careful with what type of advice I give around this sort of thing because I would hate for a parent to say, oh, that penny lady from Sick Happens said that I didn't need to call an ambulance. But then, yeah. they, but then their child was really unwell. So I've tried to make like little flow charts to help parents sort of like navigate their way through and it's just it's, it's all what the answer is always it depends and it's so yeah. annoying <laughs> um oh but it does make sense and there's so many variables and like you couldn't possibly give a blanket answer to that no really but if, but if you're sitting at home and you're thinking oh my gosh I don't know if I need to call an ambulance if you're at that point where you're contemplating the need for an ambulance yeah just call like they yeah. have, I mean, you don't want to use triple O or nine one one or wherever you're listening. You don't want to use yeah. emergency services as a helpline because that's not what they're for. But if you genuinely think that your child needs an ambulance and you're like, oh, I don't want to look silly or I don't want them mm-hmm. to think I'm overreacting, yeah. ignore that because how other people perceive you 
shouldn't even come into play if it's for the safety and health of your own child. So don't panic. Call. They will ask you questions. They do their own sort of triage system as well. And they'll say, yep, we're going to send something. Or they'll be like, oh, probably don't need to call, (laughs) you know. Okay. So there's, yeah, I, I definitely want to re- reiterate that please don't use them as a helpline we do have other services for that like 24 7 helplines like 13 health there's heaps there's so yeah. many that so if you're contemplating you can call them and they can help ask you all sorts of questions about your child and they can listen and then they can advise you know a plan of attack for you um sure. but if you're at the point where you're like oh i'm not sure should i shouldn't i probably need to call or go to yeah. emergency yeah 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 that's so valuable okay amazing um all right well that's sort of the the end of the questions that have come through so before we wrap up um I wanted to ask you something that I'm asking all of the guests that we speak to here on the podcast and that is can you share a book with us that you've read that you know really impacted you or changed you in some way oh I don't know about if it's impacted me or changed me but I, I've recent, obviously I'm a new business owner (laughs) and so nursing, I know, I know how to do that. Running a business, not so much. (laughs) Totally different skill set, right? (laughs) Kind of learning on the fly, but I, um, so you're trying to do all of the things and wear all of the hats, but I did recently read a story. It's called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And I feel like finally the whole marketing world clicked and it was really I was like oh it's all about telling a story (laughs) so for my fellow biz owners out there highly highly recommend that one it was a really practical book (laughs) if you own your own business Good advice. All right, I will pop a link to that in the show notes as well. And in terms of story building, I often talk about the fact that I think you are the queen of reels. So for anyone that is not following Penny, please go right now over to Sick Happens. Follow her. She makes the most hilarious, reassuring, engaging, funny reels um, related to content in this area. Trust me, it will become part of your daily check-in on Instagram. (laughs) Basically just a goofball at heart, really. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So on that note, Penny, where can people find you? Can you share your socials and your website with us? Yeah. So Instagram is where I predominantly hang out. So I'm at sick.happens and my website is just www.sickhappens.com.au where you'll find all of my products and my courses and my downloadable guides. So yeah, everything is there that you need. Definitely. So pop over and have a little look. Penny, thank you so much. You are a breath of fresh air in this space that can so often feel tricky and heavy and confusing and you really bring a lot to counter that. So thank you for making the time to chat with me today. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Great. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and also to head over to thekindparentingcompany.com to check out our resources. We hope to see you in the forum soon. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.